Welcome to the Westminster Chapel podcast. For more information and to support our mission to London and beyond, please visit westminsterchapel.org.uk. to be an institution, but a hope-filled demonstration of love. A place of healing with truth that is freeing, real friendship, inspiring purpose, joy unending. Help us recover church as God intended. Join us and let's enjoy God together. Good morning, everyone. Good to see you. Thanks for joining us. As you're coming in, there are seats available here, so if you need to point people through here, that would be fab. Um, We're so thrilled that people are joining us and online as well. Um, We are beginning the final chapter of the book of Ephesians today. We've been at it for a long time. We're beginning chapter 6 today, which is exciting. We will also be taking communion together, so if you're at home and you're not ready yet, then at some point go and grab some bread and some wine uh, and so you can be ready to take communion with us after the sermon. So you've got a little while. Um, We're really thrilled that we are also surrounded at the moment, you might notice, by prophetic words that have been shared with our church, both in here and I think in the lounge as well. Uh, So throughout, you can be scanning those and reading them because they're part of something that we're going to do at the end of our service before we all go home, which is writing small prayers to put into the auditorium under the floor uh, so that there are prayers beneath our feet whenever we gather in the new building um, together. So that's going to be really exciting. Um, If you're new and joining us, we're thrilled. Please do stick around at some point to get to know us and for us to say hi to you and see how you can be connected. Um, Just as we come to worship, I heard a statement yesterday as I was watching the highlights of the Man United game. Cristiano Ronaldo scored his second goal in his great return to the UK. And the commentator said, we are in the presence of goal-scoring greatness. And I thought, well, I'm just watching at home, but he clearly felt something that was more important or or sort of greater than simply just watching, but actually being in the presence of Cristiano Ronaldo was causing so many people to get so hyped up. And yeah, he's a fantastic footballer, but there is something greater that we're gathering to now. And the invitation is to not simply be a spectator watching what's going on, But actually, because of what Jesus has done, we are in the presence of greatness. Our Father in heaven, by the power of the Holy Spirit, through what Jesus has achieved at the cross for us, we are brought into the presence of God, the creator God, not just a great goal scorer, but the great creator of all things. We are in his presence as we gather like this. So let's stand and remember that incredible reality. That the Holy Spirit moving amongst us, we are in the presence of God. So let's pause and recognize and then celebrate this together. Father, 
thank you that this is where it's all been leading. From the point that Adam and Eve were cast out of your presence due to sin. And then mankind in various ways has remained out of your presence and all of us in our birth state and then in the ways that we've lived, Lord. We have not lived in that reality until we came to know Jesus of what he has done at the cross. He made that way open that we could not just walk back in casually, but run back into the presence of God in the garden, experiencing life in its fullest. It says in the Psalms, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Lord, let us experience that now, I pray, as we come before you and worship you in spirit and truth. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.
that is our prayer this morning, Lord, that you would have your way among us. Father, we are here for you, Lord. We are gathered here to meet with you. Would you come, Holy Spirit, and have your way? Would you move in power? Lord, we need you. We need your spirit. We need a fresh touch from you, God. And we welcome you here this morning. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you come and show yourself as mighty among us? Open up the gates, make way before the king. 
stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Sing it, church. Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Let's pray with our hands lifted to heaven to the lion and the lamb. God, you are the lion. You are the one with ultimate authority over all things. You roar and nations tremble. Lord, you are having dominion. All things are being put under Jesus' feet. He is sat on the throne of heaven and he rules over the earth. And Lord, so we pray prayers that your kingdom would come, especially in nations like Afghanistan and Iraq, Lord. Nations uh, where the rulers are trying to laugh at you and in different ways are bringing about injustice and building upon bloodshed. And Lord, we ask, please subdue these. Lord, would you break the chains of oppression in various nations like this, Lord. We know that the situation in Afghanistan is beyond most of our understanding and we, we cannot comprehend these things. But Lord, you are ruling over that and we are hearing cries from our brothers and sisters in those nations through different prayer letters to say there needs to be prayer, more prayer, more prayer because Lord, we need you to be the king of that nation. We need you to exert your uh, rule and reign over Afghanistan, Lord, to, to whatever evil is being done, Lord, that good, that you would manufacture it, that good would come, that you would be uh, working a bit like in the story of Esther. You're working in dreams, you're working in the background, but you are totally in control and totally in charge. Lord, we know that you raise up nations and you use nations for your purposes, and you also bring them down when they become lofty and when they become proud. And Lord, we pray that this nation would turn, and even the Taliban would turn, Lord, and repent, uh, and repent of their ways, and uh, that there would be justice and there would not be this oppression. And Lord, we pray for those who might have been uh, imprisoned or even subjected to violence, that you would be their defender, 
that you would defend the, uh, those who are guiltless, those who are, uh, need mercy, those who are um, being sidelined or cast out. Lord, still those millions and billions of people who haven't uh, be, had access to vaccines through uh, lack of provision, but also maybe mistreatment, Lord, we pray, please, please would you move and let your justice roll down uh, like waters, Lord. So please, you the lion, please stamp your authority in the way that you know how and let your kingdom come. And then we pray, God, you are the lamb and we thank you for the message of the merciful gospel that says that you are king, yes, but you're the king who ruled from the cross, first of all. You made a way for all people, even the persecutors, to come under your reign and to repent and to believe in Jesus and to find themselves at peace with the living God, with that lion, that actually they would become his friends. And so, Lord, we pray for the, the nations where these atrocities are happening that the gospel would spread the gospel that says a totally different message that exerting power over others is not way, is not the way that god desires things to happen lord we pray that there would be forgiveness in their midst we pray for our brothers and sisters that they would be able to live out the the beatitudes that they would be able to be poor in spirit and they would be meek and they would be able to uh, hunger after righteousness continually, Lord, and that they would be peacemakers and that they would be merciful, Lord. And to do that, they need the strength of the Lamb, the Lamb who didn't just roll over and die, but purposefully went to the cross for the sins of the world. So, Lord, we, we bless you and we praise you. And then we pray closer to home, Lord. These prayers that we're pray, praying for other nations, we also need to pray for ourselves and our own nation in different ways. There is so much injustice and continued poverty, systems of violence and all sorts. And Lord, even in our own hearts, there is still a lot of sin that comes to the surface all too often. And Lord, creates dishonor and disharmony amongst people. And Lord, we're sorry. We're sorry for where we have played a part in this. And we ask, would your kingdom come in our lives? That we would know both the justice, but also the mercy of God. And we would know his incredible love. Father, we're asking that even in this message today, as we hear Howard preach, that your word would touch our hearts profoundly. That we would be transformed to become more like your son, Jesus. We want to be people of his kingdom. Lord, and then we pray for... Uh, the kids and the youth amongst us who are going, who are graduating. We know that the graduation service is happening now for our kids and youth. And we pray for their blessing. And we pray especially for those who are maybe going to their secondary schools or even their primary schools for the first time, to their secondary schools for the first time, and even to university. Lord, would that transition go really smoothly as they move into a new environment, but they know that the living God is going with them. So in some sense, nothing has changed there and they can experience you just the same. Lord, I pray that it would be a time for them to actually become stronger in their faith and find friends and people around them who can relate to them so that they would be a blessing to wherever they're going and that they would shine as lights. So Lord, we bless you and we praise you. We thank you that you are the lion and the lamb. Without those two truths, we would be lost. So thank you, Lord Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.
Amen. Do grab a seat. Thanks for joining us, especially if you are uh, coming in during the singing and bits and bobs. We have a very special, exciting celebration. Uh, some of you will have seen on Facebook, there were some artsy photos that made it look slightly cryptic whether this had actually happened or not. But we can announce that Gizeh and Kelly have got engaged. Woohoo! And uh, Kelly was so overwhelmed that she ran off to the USA. Uh, so Gizeh is all on his own now. Oh. <laughs> many of us have experienced these uh, international uh, engagements and marriages and everything else. But please do send your encouragements to these guys. Uh, it was so fabulous to meet, especially Kelly, um, as she spent some time with us as a church family. So uh, that's an amazing celebration for us. And then another uh, amazing international couple that we have are Ollie and Bree, and they've got an announcement for us about something that they do together, uh, serving especially students in London. This is so important. It's on the ground, evangelistic work. They're seeing genuine lives transformed. I hear story after story over the years. It is fantastic. So uh, they're going to share their news and updates about this year. And then uh, uh, it's going to be time for, I think, kids to go to activities, perhaps, um, but also a, a little break after that to turn around and say hi to the people around you. How are you guys doing? Ollie and Bree here. Hope you guys are well. Um, we wanted to share a little bit about our work with Agape with students in London, um, what Bree and I work towards in this next season, and what you guys can be praying for. Ollie and I have been working with Agape, part of Campus Crusade for Christ, for eight years now. Campus Crusade for Christ is a global movement amongst students that seeks to win students to Jesus, build them up in their faith, and send them out to be a witness on their campus and beyond. Our big passion is to model a missional community to students in London through evangelism, running events, coordinating mission trips and church partnerships. We want to help mobilize the 3% of Christians in London to reach the 97% of those who don't yet know Jesus. But don't just take it from us. We asked a former student to share with us about the impact Agape had on her on campus. Okay. Hey Chapel, uh, for those who don't know me, I'm Anne May and I did my BA here in London uh, at King's College for three years and during that time I was also part of your community for five years. What I discovered in many people was like this desire to actually be part of a community, be part of a group. I think that's where Agape actually met a lot of those needs. Like. Um, the students I encountered or I met through Agape, um, yeah, they really like they were invested in creating such a community on campus, and in uh, they invested they were invested in inviting people uh, to events and actually fostering relationships, uh, nurturing those, um, yeah. And it was beyond just like following just some agenda, you know. It was it was really about bringing people in, making them part of. Uh, the community, making them feel part of the family.
at the end, we might actually be able to play it uh, for the end of our service as well. So let's take a break now. One minute, just to chat, or a few minutes to chat to the people around you. Say hi, especially if uh, you're new. Um, say hi to someone. Stay tuned for the Bible reading. Bible reading. For the Bible reading. Please stay tuned for the Bible reading. Please stay tuned for the Bible reading. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Ephesians 6, verses 1 to 4. chapter 6 today, we're kind of continuing on uh, next week, Guy and Heather will pick up this whole theme of parenting and then we'll move on throughout the whole letter right to the end, it's going to be really fantastic, um, but I wanted to start by asking you a question, you can shout out if you want to, but I know most of you are just probably just working out but, uh, just imagine you didn't know that but what is the hardest job in the world what's the hardest job in the world
years back, um, well, actually, a year ago, um, and they asked people in the UK, what do you think is the hardest job that someone can do? And the number one hardest job that we voted for was to be a nurse. Brilliant, amazing. Now I get that. My mum's a nurse. I know a number of nurses uh, in our church. Actually, Catherine is an amazing nurse who did that Bible reading, and they've done a fantastic job, especially in the pandemic. On the front lines, it's extraordinary. Weeks back, and we read about that in there rom com royalty, a man called Richard Curtis. He's a great screenwriter, um, uh, filmmaker, all of that, love actually, about time, all that kind of stuff. And his son sends him a text message, and it says, Dad, I need a lift. Where are you? Reply comes back, I have been in America for the last eight days. I'm sorry that you didn't notice. Um, it's kind of an awkward moment, isn't it? And sometimes that's all you are. You might feel like to your kids in your life, you're just a, a limousine service. You're just an Uber, free Uber taxi to get them where, forget all of that. You know, it's not like, oh, dad, I've missed you. I want time with you. I just need you to drive me somewhere. It's a very thankless task, but it's a big subject being one of perhaps the most important subjects out there, how do you parent? How do you parent well? It's so important. Why? Because it's a great picture of what the Christian faith is all about. Marriage is one of those metaphors and illustrations of Christ's love for his church to be seen in a marriage, the whole gospel story to be seen in a marriage. And another one is the father's relationship with his son, the father God with Jesus Christ. You're to see that in parenting, but not just parenting. It's a metaphor for discipleship, full stop, for how we raise up younger people in the faith everywhere. It doesn't have to be your biological kids or adopted kids. This is relevant for everyone, this whole subject. We want more spiritual moms and dads and grandparents in the church. And I would actually say, if you are 40 years old and above, you're more needed than ever. You're more needed than ever to disciple and raise up the next generation. You need to step forward into that role. Today is a kind of maybe a wake up call. Who are you raising up and discipling in addition, if you have them, to your own, your own kids? But it's a tough call and we need holy power and powerful hope to get us there. Many parents are struggling. Many parents feel exhausted. Many disciples feel frustrated. And so there's going to be a spiritual pickup moment for all of us. But you've got to wait right to the end of the sermon to get there, pretty much. Because first, I'm going to lay on some of the problems. Why is it hard? Why is parenting, why is discipleship so hard, so tough? Why do we need so much help in this area? Well, my first reason for that would be that there's just so much advice out there. The parenting Twitter sphere is full of so-called experts telling you do it this way, do it that way. If you, here's, here's, a, here's a common one. Never say no to your kids or they'll become spiritually traumatized when they go up. That's, that's true. Many of you will be like, 
what? <laughs> no, that's generally out there. That's genuinely out there. People will say that. They've said that to me. You can't say no to your kids. Well, let me tell you, I know somebody who says no to his children, and he's the good, good father. He's God. And what do you do with all this information when they, they argue against each other and there's conflict between them? And you're like, which one is the right one? Is it baby-led weaning? The baby knows best. They know everything. You've just got to trust their judgment. Even if it creates this, the worst mess in the world ever as you're feeding them. Well, they're feeding themselves food and throwing it everywhere. Or is it an adult knows best approach? They might have more experience in life and you could feed them like that. Who's going to win in this great debate out there? Now, if, you're, if you've not reached that world just thank God for a moment that you don't have to wrestle with all of that stuff that's out there. Um, um, it's crazy that's going on. So there's just, just loads of information out there. What do you do with it? Who's right? Who's wrong? The second thing is, and there's this temptation within all of us to abdicate our responsibilities to parent, to disciple. Now you can delegate this out there, consciously, subconsciously, you can do it to the state, the state schooling system, they're going to raise my kid. You can do it to the church, Sundays, they're going to raise my child. You can do it even to a childminder, they're going to raise my child. Now, I don't want to heep guilt on anybody who's like a single mom in extreme financial pressure and feeling like they have to go to work for a season, not getting enough time with their kids or through sickness and things like that. But what I want to point out is that for a lot of us today in our culture, we might be thinking somewhere that being a parent is like a prison sentence. And they're a barrier because I want to live my life the way I want to live it. And my kids are getting in the way of that. I'm just going to abdicate that responsibility that there's some other idol in your life that's more important, that must be nurtured instead of parenting. The third thing is just really an illustration of that. And it's a, a scary illustration of the fatherless generation that we have in our country, in the United Kingdom. 1.1 million children and growing. That number increasing. Growing up without a parent. Huge social consequences. Huge economic impact and cost. 76% of men in prison have grown up without a father. Missing this essential, important role in their family. Now, I'm saying it's essential. Every child needs a, needs, a, needs a mom and a dad. But where that can't happen because of sin and the fallenness of the world, that's where the church comes in, right? That's where the church comes in to, to fill and meet that gap. My final point here of the challenge that's facing us in this whole arena of parenting is that if you ask the average church, the average Christian do you feel like you've been properly discipled yourself so you would know how to go and disciple others? They'll say no. They'll say no. Most of us feel like, I don't know what discipleship is. No one discipled me. I don't know what I'm doing when I'm meeting up with another person. Is it a one-to-one -one Bible study that has to be written by a certain person? You know, only IVP books as well. They're okay. That's real discipleship. No, what, what is it? How do you do that? And there's this huge gap, this void that has developed over time where the spiritual mums and dads in the church are less obvious, less, less familiar. And then who's filling this discipleship gap, this void? Well, the world is and screens are. And that's the discipleship that's happening. There is a massive need for us to really step up in this whole area of parenting and discipleship. We can't do it on our own. <laughs> we'll, we'll fail. It, it's, it's, too, it's too big a task. We can't do it, not by human might, not by human power, but by the Spirit. And that's why we're getting into these verses. And that's 
a little clue about the spiritual kind of pickup that we all need that will come towards the end of the message. So I've got three points, and we're going to follow these out of the passage of Ephesians chapter 6. The first of these points is confess your rebellious instincts, your rebellious behaviors. Why? Because that's where Paul starts. That's what he gives most of his attention to. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I'm starting with the reverse of this, if you haven't noticed. We're called to honor and obey, but the challenge is that we don't want to. (laughs) The challenge is that there's something rebellious in us. And this has grown up sometimes for good reason. The hashtag MeToo movement, which has exposed horrible abuses of male authority, which are absolutely wrong. Add to that what you're seeing in many churches. Now suddenly the big reveals of celebrity pastors exposed as being domineering and aggressive and almost tyrannical in the way that they're leading. And it's oppressive what they're leading behind that makes many people today suspicious of church leaders, people in authority. And then you've got the entrenched individualistic culture that we've all been raised in, where we are brainwashed to believe I am my own authority. I decide. What I feel inside myself, that is the ultimate arbiter of truth. And what I feel, everybody else must validate what's going on inside me. And then on top of that, you've got this generational mistrust out there as well, where the younger generation is sort of saying to the older generation, why should I listen to you? You technophobic dinosaurs who destroyed our planet with your abusive, selfish ways that you've, you've lived. What, what on earth could you, you teach us? And the difficulty here is that we throw the whole authority baby out with the bathwater. And there is a pendulum adjustment. There's definitely needed. There's been abuses. And we need to shift that pendulum back. But maybe we're in danger of going too far. And you might know this because the irony is is that when we're in a position of responsibility as parents with those that we're called to lead and influence or in the workplace or in church, wherever that is, you've got a sort of sense of authority. What you want most from those that you're kind of leading and influencing is honor and respect, isn't it? You want some measure of obedience and sense of trust. But that is the, the very thing that we, ironically, are not willing to give to those who are trying to lead and influence us. We need to develop this discipline of submission. A discipline of submission. Paul is talking about it as an outworking of these three illustrations. Marriage, parenting, and work in the book of Ephesians. We, we, need, we need real help with this. But for many, submission is evil. Right? In our culture, submission equals oppression. That's the equation. But that's, that's, not, that's not right. Brilliant writer, Esau McCauley, reading While Black. This is really essential reading, I think, for every Christian. It's so, so insightful. He talks about how the passage in Romans 13 was completely misunderstood. And Romans 13, if you don't know, says we should submit to those who are in governing authorities, trusting God has sovereignly put them in charge to lead us, whether they are Christian or not. And that resulted in, in all sorts of oppression because people thought you had to submit blanketly regardless of whether those in authority were acting in a godly way. And so people were suffered under that as an abuse, a misunderstanding of that teaching. But he says, if you just go back to Romans chapter 9, you'll see Paul talk about Pharaoh, who was 
yes, sovereignly put in place by God, but abused his authority, used it in an ungodly way, put people into slavery. And so God does what? He sends prophets to challenge him that he would use his authority correctly. Moses, Aaron, come. And ultimately, he has to be judged because he will not use his authority in a godly way. Submission should never be blanket submission. Should submit to those who are acting in a godly, righteous way with the authority that has been entrusted to them. And so the question then, I think, should be is this exercise of authority obviously ungodly? And if it's not, I want to challenge you very counterculturally to lean towards assuming that you should obey. Assuming that you should obey. Now, you might not understand. You might need to go and talk to the personal authority if that's your parent, your biological parent, your, your spiritual mentor. And you might want to understand, help me, I get, help me see things from your point of view. I'm struggling with this. I'm not sure that that's right for me. And, and how do I go about this? And, and just tell me what you're thinking here. It doesn't make sense to me. Can you, can you help me to be, to be able to have, have faith to follow and, and faith to obey? But you also might want to ask yourself some questions about what is it in me that doesn't want to obey? <laughs> you might want to do a little bit of self-examination. What's, what's going on that, that, that drives this resistance to, to obedience? Is there anything that God is exposing and showing me in my heart, really, about that? Two further questions before we move on from this point. Question number one is, how do we do this? How do you do this if you've grown up with an abusive, absent, disappointing parent? How do you do it? How do you do it when you don't want to love and care for your parents? They didn't look after me growing up. So I, I'm not going to look after them. They've not been in my life, so I'm not going to be in their life. You know, I don't want to honor them. Why should I honor them? How, how, do you, how do you do this? Well, Paul gives an amazing three-word addition to this instruction, obey your parents in the Lord. Really interesting phrase. It means as to Christ, as to Jesus, as if they are Jesus. Jesus, fully God, who dies for us in our place in obedience to the Father's will to Purchase your salvation on the cross. If you see him instead of your parents, then you can love your parents because you're loving Jesus. Jesus talks about this in Matthew 25, verses 40 and 45, where he would say, the least thing that you do to these my brothers, you do unto me. You do unto me. You're literally, whatever you do in honoring and obeying your parents, you're doing it as if you're giving a, a laying an offering to Jesus himself. That, that should really help. That should change your perspective on, and how do we do this? Well, I'm doing it as for the Lord. But it may open up a whole load of baggage about your past and your upbringing. And every one of us here has got blessings and brokenness that we've come with from the way that we've been raised. And some of us are aware of that. Some of us are less aware of that. And it shapes how we live today. And it impacts our relationship with God, our sense of closeness, intimacy, and ability to sort of really be 
effective disciples for him. And we've got to press into that. We've got to you know, celebrate the blessings. And we've got to find healing from the brokenness as well. And so one of the things that we're doing in this season at Westminster Chapel, in our small groups ministry, in our life groups, we're calling it a belong season. A season of acceptance and love where people can be seen and heard and they can share what a little bit of their past and their background that might otherwise be kind of kept hidden so that it comes into the light for the help of God's people to process this and find healing and wholeness together. We've got a cluster lined up that Andy and I are working on where we start to open the door very gently in a safe way for us to, to help one another move forward, move through the things that hold us back in the past. That's all about the first question. The second question, though, is, is why do this? Why honor and obey your parents? Well, Paul gives three reasons. They're really amazing reasons. The first one, just it's the right thing to do, he's saying. It is right. Now, if you do this, it'll put a spring in your step, a sense of joy. You won't feel guilty, dirty, shameful, ugly, worthless, purposeless, pointless. You'll be in the will of the Lord. This is like, wow, I am obeying God, and he is pleased with me. I, how do I know that? Because the scripture says it. He finds pleasure in me honoring and obeying my parents, those in spiritual authority over me. That's number one. Number two is pretty amazing. It will go well for you. It will go well with you. What? Yeah, the favor of the Lord will be upon your life as you do this. That's pretty exciting. How might that show up? I don't know. You've got you've to walk in obedience to see how God fulfills that. And then the third thing is that you get to live longer. In the land, or in the NIV translation, which you can see here, which I think gets the meaning right, on the earth. A lot of people overly spiritualize this. It's all about when we get to heaven. But the actual context and the literal Greek here is like, this is about here and now reality. Now, you can, you can be disobedient in other areas of your life, and th- these things won't, won't, won't come to fruition. This is the wisdom of God. That if you stand on the shoulders of those who are older than you and have gone... F- listen to their advice and avoid the mistakes that they've made and, and embrace their wisdom and be obedient to them. Wisdom says that you'll have a, a longer and more fruitful and happy life. There are some amazing reasons then in Scripture to say, yeah, I need to rethink this. Have I, have I been pre-programmed and conditioned towards not honoring and obeying? And I need to change things back to a more biblical alignment with truth. So there might be a moment for you to just to stop and just confess. Confess your sins, really. Or maybe you've just been living for yourself. Assuming that, what do these people know? I, I know better than them. Do you know that's, well, to put it bluntly, that's pride. Isn't it? Just a moment just to confess that and say, God, I, I want the benefits. I want the, the privileges and the delights of, of what's going on in these verses. The second point is, Resist the temptation to provoke. To provoke here means um, to exasperate, to frustrate your children. And it's aimed particularly at dads. Um, Because dads played in Roman society and still do today, a really important role in the family. Not the most important role. We're not into that and trying to compete with the sexes. But a really important role in the family. And in Roman times, men were kind of totalitarian authority figures uh, as fathers. That's what they had. They had sort of all power. And that would often be abused. And I think this is a temptation, stereotypically true, and there'll be exceptions to this. But for most men in positions of responsibility as fathers uh, of their own children and in the church, to be 
authoritarian rather than authoritative and so exasperate their kids. To lead out of hierarchy and position, I am this person in this position and you will do what I say because I am over you in the Lord, that kind of stuff, versus a holy presence and seeking to witness out of the power and the grace of Christ. It's a big difference. So God through Paul is saying here that there are certain things that are just not acceptable for fathers and in general in parenting. He's ruling out, as one commentator puts it, excessively severe discipline, unreasonably harsh demands, abuse of authority, arbitrariness, unfairness, constant nagging and condemnation, subjecting a child to humiliation and all forms of insensitivity to a child's needs and sensibilities. Now, I think my wife Holly would add excessive bad dad jokes to that list. But what you notice here is you get a God. He cares about children, right? We've got a society that's struggling to care for children. But our God, if we followed his word, children would be so much safer and cared for than they are right now. One of the reasons that we can end up provoking and frustrating is I think that we can approach parenting, discipleship, as if we're owners rather than stewards or ambassadors, that children are our are property, are, 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 are sort of objects to control and, and make them do what we want. And so we'll come up with quick fixes for this, quick solutions, because I want them to do what, what, I, what I want, and I want that to happen really fast so that my life is a bit easier. So I will shout, and I will terrify, um, I will guilt, and I will shame, and I will manipulate them, because that's manipulate them, because that is faster than the long-term hard work of really loving and helping them not to do what you want them to do, but to be who God has made them to be. And then often we can make our children our own identity. Instead of putting our identity in Christ, it's in our kids. And so their successes and failures become so intrinsically our failures that we ride the up and down of emotional sense of inner well-being based on how they're doing. And if they're not doing well, then fathers particularly are going to demand higher performance, work harder, do this, be like that. And you get the cliche scenario where a child comes home from school really excited. Dad, I got a B. And the immediate answer from the dad is, why didn't you get an A? Why? It's like no celebration, no pause to honor that. Yeah, there might be a later conversation, but not in that moment. We've got to change this. It exasperates. And you can start to maybe imagine how that could be outworked in church life as well as in the family home. And so we're called in Ephesians through a whole series of instructions to put off to put off that which would exasperate, to take these sort of dirty clothes off that don't work, this way of living, to put it off and to put on a new way of doing it and a new way of making this work. And so this is the final point. We are to lead them in the way of the master. This is the message translation here of this final part of verse four. We're to lead them by the hand in the way of the master. Do not exasperate your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. There's three things to point out from this verse. The first thing is nurture. Nurture. Bring them up in the Greek is about nurture. How do we do that? We nurture. Warmth, love, gentleness, closeness, care, concern, compassion. 
That's, that's where parenting begins. That's where discipleship ultimately begins. This phrase, to, to raise a child up, actually comes, back from, comes to us from Roman times. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. But the father, because he was this all-powerful figure, when a child was born, immediately that the child was born, the child would just be placed at the father's feet. And he would get to decide what to do with that child. And if he raised the child up, picks up the child publicly in front of others, he's saying, this child is mine. And I will love this child and I will care for this child. And what is mine belongs to this child. They're part of our family. And I want you all to know that this child is, is my beloved child. But if he doesn't raise the child, the child is taken away, an outcast, typically left on a hill to die. And maybe in some situations brought in and adopted by Christians, which is what happened in first century, second century Rome. And it helps lead us to a picture to understand really the very nature of what parenting and fatherhood is all about. You might wonder sometimes, what is it? What am I meant to do? What, what really is the defining characteristic of what it means to be a spiritual parent, to be a father? Well, it comes from two events that happen in the New Testament. When the perfect father speaks over his son. Jesus. The first is at Jesus' baptism, and it's before Jesus has done anything to earn any sense of approval or validation. He's not done anything to, you know, yet on his ministry to achieve salvation for sin. It's right at the start before it's happened, and at his baptism, God the Father speaks over Jesus. This is my beloved Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. Wonderful words of affirmation. Nurture. And then at the transfiguration, as Jesus is getting ready for the greater exodus and the liberation of his people from slavery to sin. And God speaks again saying, this is my beloved son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. Listen to him. That's fathering. That's the call. To make your children biological, adopted, the people you're discipling, everybody in our church to know, to hear this voice ringing in their ears. You are God's beloved child. He loves you. He's well pleased with you because of what Christ has done on the cross. Hallelujah, what a privilege. And it takes me to what one pastor and commentator of Scripture says. It's the most important thing, the single most important thing, he says, that we are to give our kids, our children, is a loving home. I could say that's the church, a loving church with all the crazy laughter and the security that the gospel can provide. That's it. The second point here, nurture. The second point here, discipling or, or training of children, of disciples. Whether that's uh, if, if sort of in the family home context, withdrawal of a privilege. It could be a naughty step. It might be time out. And that's not sending kids to their room, by the way, because that might be more of a reward in some situations um, for different reasons. Um, but, but some way to help teach children right from wrong, to, to help them know the will of the Lord, the, the righteous path the, to walk, the fruitful way. Hebrews chapter 12, the Lord disciplines those he loves. This is the way that God works with us. The key here is to know the difference, the distinction. What do you discipline about? What don't you? 
spirited behavior from a child, childishness. I would say probably not necessary. No, more stubborn, willful <laughs> resistance to authority. And you've got to work out the difference because every child is different. Every person you're discipling is different. You've got to learn that. And if you're not sure, talk to some people. Get some help. There's so many great couples in our church. You've got loads of parenting experience. Guy and Heather Miller will be sharing next week. Biola and Shola Akinyose, um, leaders, deacons in our church. Biola leads our children's and youth ministry. You've got the elders and, and, and us, we'll try and help you. We also have a parenting podcast, it's called Parenting Protein, where we're interviewing other parents to gain their insights and wisdoms. We have a family's Facebook group to share encouragement and advice and support, good resources, things like that. Don't go it alone if you're finding the whole discipline thing really hard. And then the last point here is instruction. Instruction. We ought to teach them the truth about Jesus, who he is and what he's like. Not just information, but example. Let us see a representation of Christ in you as parents. And be challenged by that, excited by that. Your kids need to see you praying, need to see you worshipping, need to see you doing the stuff. Jesus invited 12 people to into his life. That's how he did discipleship, so they could see him doing everything. Teach us to pray, Lord. We've seen something of the way that you pray. Teach us because we saw you doing it. Isn't that a great question that your kids could ask you? Mommy, Daddy, teach me to pray. I've seen you praying. How do you do this? Well, Holly and I have got things that we do. I'm going to share with you that we've learned from others. And then there's a whole load of other things we don't yet do yet as well. Uh, as many of you in the church do that we've kind of picked up. So I'm just going to share a very rapidly a few ideas if you need help with this. And the first would be just pray about everything with your kids. Pray about everything. If they get hurt, they're injured, I would say almost prayer before a plaster if you can do it. Quick prayer. Let's talk to God. Let's see. Let's ask him for his peace and his presence. We prayed last week as a family about school. So our kids were a bit nervous about going back to school. So we just gathered. <laughs> we did it actually at the bottom of the lift <laughs> as we gathered there and just held hands and we prayed. And then we expected God to answer that prayer. So when school had finished, at the end of the day, we're like, what happened? How was school? Well, do you know that's what we prayed? We started to talk. Oh, that's exciting, isn't it? We can talk to this God who actually answers our prayers. We try and read the Bible every day as a family together with our kids, but in an age-appropriate way. So before our kids go to bed, that's when we do it. Some people would do it around the dinner table when that's important. Another thing would be to make sure you have a meal as a family every day together so you can talk about things and deepen relationships uh, so how are we doing it? Our kids' bedroom team, Anna, she's working through the Action Comic Book Bible at the moment, which is really cool, by the way. It's amazing. I think most adults would enjoy reading that. Uh, very good stuff. And we'll do that one evening. And then on the next evening, Isaac's a little bit younger. And so we work through him, his Bible Man devotional book, which is based on the Bible Man TV series, which he really loves. And it's got questions and applications, stuff like that. I want to raise my kids as well as Narnians. I, I, I want them to be Narnia obsessed, and they are. Why? Because it's the easiest way to share the gospel when they can watch Aslan being killed, dying, and then being raised to life because there's deeper magic in the world that's out there. And they're getting, wow, substitutionary, penal substitutionary, sacrificial atonement. Really hard to explain, but boom, did you get it? Yeah, I got it. I understood that. I didn't need the theological terminology and stuff like that. There's so much in Narnia. It's phenomenal. It's probably the easiest and probably most untapped parenting resource I think that's out there at the moment. 
I could go on and get very excited about Narnia, but there we go. <laughs> Let me check my point. Thank you prayers every evening. Like, get them to say a simple prayer. If they can't say it, ask them, what do you want to be thankful about? And then you just say amen at the end of it, or you pray it for them, and they say amen. You try and develop this in. Private catch-ups, date nights, one-on-one, where your kids can be heard as they get older. Perhaps one of the most important things, commit to your local church. Whether that's Westminster Chapel or another church, be committed. Be involved. Let them see you be part of the church. Never talk about the church badly where they're listening. Never. Don't, don't ruin that for them. There might be things, though there are things that are not good in our church. I'll tell you that. Um, and they're not things good about me, but don't, don't damage them for that. You know. Invest in the ministry, the children and youth ministry. Pray for it. Encourage the leaders. Thank them for what they're doing. Mentor those who are serving in that ministry. Get behind it 110%. Now, how do you do all of this? When you feel exhausted, you're COVID-wearied, you may be already feeling guilty, like, oh, I'm a parent and I don't measure up. I feel constantly unqualified for this task. That's how I feel a lot of the time. Not, not good enough. How do we do this? Where do we go for help? Well, God. Of course we go to God. All of these things, marriage, parenting, and work, are not meant to be done by might or by power, but by the Spirit. By the power of the Holy Spirit. This is our great joy. We're not striving doers, we're responders to the grace that's being outworked in our lives. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, frames everything that comes after it. That verse shapes all this outworking. And it is, go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. That's the call. That's how we do all of this, going on being filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the ministry of the Holy Spirit all about? He is there, present right now, here in this room, in your life, to let you know how loved you are by God. That you can be spiritually picked up because you were picked up and raised by God the Father. When you came to faith, that he says over you, you're my beloved child and I love you. The Holy Spirit is here to make that more real to you than you already know. That you're safe. That you're loved. That you're precious. No matter how you actually feel about yourself, this is more true. Is what he speaks over you. How do we go on being filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, three ways, and you'll have heard me say this before. I'm just going to keep repeating myself on this. Number one, confess your sins. Confess our sins, anything that might grieve the Holy Spirit. We confess, we bring to him, and we have the joy. It's not a scary thing to do because he promises he'll forgive. Confess your pride of thinking you know better. Confess that sin of like feeling like your kids are getting in the way of you living your life and rather than actually they are the very purpose of your life, a great meaning in your life. Confess all of that baggage of worshipping wrong things that get in the way. Number two, be obedient. Don't quench the Holy Spirit by being disobedient. Be obedient. Be obedient to the authorities that God has put in your life, your parents, your spiritual parents. Number three, ask. Pray. That's what we're going to do as we, in a moment, come back to worship. Jesus promised, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Have you ever really taken hold of that promise? From the lips of Jesus, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? If you feel weary, if you're struggling as a parent, if you're struggling to disciple others, 
All you need to do is ask. And he'll come. And if you've trusted and believed in Jesus, and I hope that you have, you can in this moment, you'll experience that sense of him being picked up again in his arms. Thomas Goodwin, the 17th century Puritan, described it like this. He said, there's a, a man and his son walking down a road and the father just suddenly out of the blue turns to pick up the son, holds him in a wonderful embrace and says to his son, looking right into his eyes, I love you. I love you. I love you. Now he was legally and objectively before that still a son. But after that moment, he is subjectively and experientially more of a son than ever. More of experiencing the reality of that. That's what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do in our lives, if we'll let him. And if we do that, church, what might happen? What might happen? Well, I tell you, we'll change parenting in London. We'll change it. And we'll transform discipleship. Spiritual parents growing up, raising one another up in Christ. And we'll see hundreds of lives transformed. I believe it. Do you? Let me pray. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much that you don't leave us alone. Lord, that you pour out your spirit upon us. Lord, and I'm asking for every person here who doesn't know you, listening online, doesn't yet know you, Lord God, I pray that they would surrender themselves to you now, Lord, and they would experience you as they turn from the wrong way of living and living for themselves to trust in you. They'd experience your love enveloping them, lifting them up, raising them up with you, seating them with you in authority with Christ in their heavenly places, Lord God. And for all of us who've already made that great great decision. Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit come. Father and Son, pour out the Holy Spirit. Make that reality more real now, that there would be a joy unlocked. There would be a sense of safety and security and power that we can parent and disciple out of being loved forever. And nothing can separate us from that love. It's not based on our performance. It's not based on doing good, but simply faith in Jesus. And God, we pray, unlock us young and old, to be all that you've made us to be. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit, in this moment, Lord, for every weary, struggling, tired, discouraged parent, I pray, pour out your Spirit and breathe fresh life, fresh hope, fresh joy upon them to go again for you. For your glory, I pray. Amen. Stand together. In this vein of response, I just want to invite us just to just to be open to God, to be open to the Holy Spirit. And so you may just want to close your eyes, maybe open up your hands. And let's just wait. As God loves us, He's here, His presence is here. And He longs, He longs for us to know His grace and His love. We welcome you here, Holy Spirit. Come and speak to us.
Say 
Spirit, would you empower us? Happen now. 
So that we can ensure that parents can take communion, I think we'll take communion now. So there are cups around, um, so if you could ha pass them around or if you want to go and grab one yourself, there's some on the tables uh, in the area around you. So um, do grab one of those, grab them for the people around you as well. Uh, there's still some on the radiator over there if you need to take those. We would encourage anyone who believes in Jesus and has given their life to Jesus to take communion. If you haven't, then uh, don't join us in taking communion, but probably join us in prayer because God declares that this is a family meal. He, the Father, welcomes all of his children to the big table and we look up at our big brother Jesus and we see what he has done for us, his family, and we remember him. We remember his sacrifice. He feeds us with this bread. He cleanses us uh, with his blood, um, which is depicted in the, the wine. But I think let's, uh, just before we're taking it or as you're taking it, we, the Holy Spirit is here and he's searching our hearts. And as children do when they come to the dinner table, sometimes we need to fess up. We need to confess our rebellion uh, confess the things that we've broken in the house, confess the people we've punched at school, um, whatever it might be uh, for you that actually struck your heart as you were listening to this. Howard spoke about reprogramming ourselves or being reprogrammed. Um, and I know for me, some of the topics that are raised with regards to this they can almost create a firewall in me. You know, the antivirus software pops up and says, no, 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 shut down, don't listen to this, or don't let this um, come into the system. And I think it's helpful to pause and let the Holy Spirit search your heart and reveal to you what's actually going on internally. We don't immediately trust our instincts. We uh, assess them, we address them, and we let God work on those things. So just take a moment. If you need to at the same time, you can open that little film lid to get the wafer bit of the communion cup. But let's let God search our hearts and see how we're reacting to his truth. Father, we confess where we have rebelled against you. You're trying to make us into more the image of Christ, your son. We want to grow up to become more like our older brother, sat at your right hand at the top of this table, who honored you in every part of his life, who submitted to the right authorities, who stood his ground in the right way when they were uh, 
authoritarian in the wrong way. We think of the Pharisees. We think of Herod. Jesus knew exactly how to submit rightly to authorities, knowing that ultimately he was honoring you, our Father. And then also he knew exactly how to treat those who would look up to him. And he never frustrated in the wrong way. He never provoked people to anger uh, in a sinful way. Lord, we look to him and we, say, we do say, wow, and thank you, Jesus, that you allowed your body to be broken for your siblings, for us. That we would come to this dinner table now and we would be able to eat of the same meal that you're eating with your father. And we would be able to enjoy it and experience life, the life that you have given to us. So thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Let's take the bread together. And then as God is still searching your heart by the Spirit, just be receptive to where he's said, where he's pointed out specific things, perhaps specific words that you've said to people, perhaps ways that you have related to people, perhaps even things that you've thought, relationships that you've broken, all of these things that need cleansing. That we know that God's who not only, the Holy Spirit, who not only searches our hearts, he also cleanses our hearts. And he does that because Jesus shed his blood for us. Our older brother passes round this bottle of wine, pours it into our cups and says, this is my blood for you. Now you're part of the same family. We share the same blood. But it was mine that was shed for you. Lord Jesus, thank you. Please do cleanse us now. Cleanse us from all unrighteousness, all rebellion. And fill us with your life that you poured out for us. And now I think it would be good for us to sing two songs before we uh, draw to a close two songs to celebrate, two songs to remember and reflect, but also two songs to not just forget now what God has been saying to you in this moment, but to think about it, to process it. And as you're singing and declaring God's praise, you're also thinking how God is going to transform you and what action steps you could take in the process. So we're going to sing, Lord, thank you. We lift up your name and we lift up your son's name, Jesus. We thank you that we are part of the same family. Thank you for all that you've done to bring us. You bring the lonely into families. You make a home for the lonely in this world. And Lord, we as a church want to be that as well. So help us to love one another as we uh, also try and work on our own biological families, Lord. Help us as a church to be the spirit-filled family announcing your praise and, and lifting you up. So Jesus, thank you that you're our cornerstone. You're the one that we are resting on, relying upon. You are the center of this family and we love you. Amen.
nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest friend, but holy trust in Jesus' name. Let's sing that again. is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly trust in Jesus' name. Through the storm, He is love. 
is a sure foundation, a solid ground on which we stand. We thank you, Lord. We're going to now sing a song called The Blessing, which you may know. And um, I'd love for us just to sing this over ourselves and to sing it over us as a community and over us as a city in London that the Lord would bless us, that he would keep us, that his favor would be on us and on the generations to come. So let's do that together.
His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children. May His favor be upon you and a thousand generations and your family and your children and their children and their children may his presence go before you and behind you and beside you all around you and within you he is with you he is with you in the morning in the evening
this church this morning. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. If you're on social media at all, you will probably know that this song has probably been one of the most sung songs during lockdown and COVID and everything. It was produced and then released. So many people joined in singing it all around the world. And uh, we've got evidence of it being fulfilled in the next coming month. We've got loads of baby dedications coming up, and we've got baptisms coming up. They're coming out of our ears, both baptizees and children. And it's fantastic. We're organizing multiple of these. So please do come along. Be here. It's going to be busier because uh, many people want to see those celebratory moments of the fact that the Lord has blessed us in so many different ways. So coming up is dedications and baptisms. Uh, Ollie and Bree, if you head over here, that'd be fab. Um, Also, Howard mentioned our life groups. We are moving into a new season with our life groups, and this season is the season of Belong. So even if uh, if you haven't ever joined a life group, please, please do. If you're online, you can go and do that right away. It's westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash life groups. Find one that suits the best time for you. Pick one that's vaguely in your geography if it works, but actually all of our groups are meeting online predominantly at the moment in the evenings. So uh, you can easily join if you've learned how to use Zoom, which I imagine you have. Um, And if you have maybe taken a step back from life groups for a while, I'd encourage you to join in again because this will be very different. It's going to be a very new look for our life groups, how we're going to do things, and the content of our conversations is quite different. So please do join in in our life groups. Um, And then I just want to hand the mic to these two so that they can finish off uh, what was a good video and then also tell you how you might be able to support them. And then we'll pray for them after that. Thanks for the opportunity. We'll be quick. Sorry about the video earlier getting cut off. Um, So as we said, we work for Agape uh, with students in London, and our big passion is to help the 3% of Christians in London, probably less, to reach the 97% of people who don't know Jesus. Um, Even if we weren't working with Agape, we would want to do that outside of (laughs) in a a different job. So we're building a support team of people who can uh, prayerfully uh, and financially invest in our ministry, and you can invest in a couple of ways. So the first way is as a prayer partner. We send a monthly newsletter updating um, our supporters on cool stories that are happening on campus, things that we're learning on the job, student testimonies, and ways that you can be praying for us. And we always love to hear from our um, supporters as well of how we can be praying for them. So sometimes they respond to our emails. And yeah, it's a relationship. And the second one will be financial. So um, we're commissioned to raise our salary and ministry expenses, everything for the work that we're doing amongst uh, students in London. Uh, We are 74% of the way funded as a couple, which is great, and we're trusting the Lord to bring in the other 26%. So if you're interested in learning about either of those opportunities, you can scan this QR code 
Um, this is not a, if you scan the QR code, that is not a commitment. Um, it's just, it'll take you to a Google form where you can fill out um, your information to get in touch with us and we can continue the conversation and you can ask us any questions you might have or um, we can just talk about it further. So you can just scan it if you're interested and then we'll continue the conversation. Thanks guys. Thanks so much, Chapel. appreciate it. Stay on here for now. We'll pray for you. Uh, and also, if you don't know how to use QR codes, you just open up the camera app on your phone and vaguely hover it, and the QR code will be there uh, after the service, so you can uh, wander over here and scan it. Um, let's pray. Let's pray together for these guys and then for ourselves. Father, thank you that you are our Father. Thank you that you are perfect in every way, and your love exceeds anything that we can imagine. We also want to Thank you for our parents, our physical, biological parents, Lord. We want to honor them. We don't want to uh, uh, just take them for granted in various different ways. Uh, some may have failed in different ways, but, Lord, there are, good, there, are, there are very good elements to all parents in some sense um, because in some way they're mirroring you. But also we also thank you for those who have mentored us over the years, who have raised us in different ways. Lord, we want to be thankful people. We want to be thankful children um, of you and those above us, both biologically and in the faith. So, Lord, thank you. And now we pray that you would continue to transform us to be children of light, to be children of truth, to be born-again, spirit-filled children that go into this world and children of our Father, who blesses the righteous and the unrighteous, who can stand out and be different in this world and live differently as people who do good deeds so that many, even if they laugh at them, would eventually give glory to God our Father. So, Lord, we want to be those children. I pray for Ollie and Bree as they continue on this amazing ministry that they do, that they would be First of all, acknowledge that they are your beloved children and then uh, would go ahead in the bravery and boldness of knowing the family that they're in, supported by us, to be able to go out on campus and see new children raised up who are part of your family. So Lord, bless them in this term, especially as students arrive and there's all sorts of freshest activities. Bless their ministry, please. Let them be provided for financially and then in prayer. And then, Lord, let there be fruit from their ministry as well together. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Cheers, guys. And then one final thing are the prayers beneath our feet. If you weren't here and you didn't hear this, we are writing down prayers on special paper with special pens that we will fold up and put in the main auditorium in the little cracks that were left by the pews. And then the new flooring will be put on top of that. So whenever we're walking around there, we are walking upon our own prayers. So there's prophetic words around the hall now that can kind of give you uh, ideas, but we'd love you to grab a pen, grab a piece of paper and write a prayer and then put it in the bucket. And then maybe in hundreds of years time, when people slightly dig up the floor, they will see your prayer and they will know how that was fulfilled in the life of this church. So that's a really good opportunity. We'll do it next week as well for anyone at home. Come join us next week so that you can also be part of that. Other than that, have a fantastic Sunday. It's been brilliant being with you uh, and enjoy your week.
Thanks for listening to Sermon Audio from Westminster Chapel. If you'd like to partner with us in making disciples and sharing the gospel, please consider making a one-off or regular donation. Visit westminsterchapel.org.uk forward slash giving to find out how.